Hi folks and welcome to Gelsnet, the independent Rangers podcast by fans, for fans, where all your content is absolutely free. Coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. My name is Alec Anderson, I'll be your host this evening, Friday the 13th of January 2023, as we preview this Sunday's League Cup semi-final versus Aberdeen at Hamden. I have a quick review of all matters Rangers after a, a working week of no first team action, but of course when does that ever mean there's nothing to discuss? I mean we've opened the Blue Sky Lounge. Uh, we've signed an international from Chelsea and Alec Lowry seems to have annoyed every bear on the planet by scoring a hat-trick for the B team, the, the cheeky B scamp. Uh, as you can no doubt already tell, this is my first time uh, hosting a live pod and when you add that to the fact that it is Friday the 13th, I'd better get to our sponsors mentioned before I bring the whole thing crashing about our ears. Forest Precision Engineering, established in 1983, is a leading precision engineering and special purpose machinery manufacturer. Based in Glasgow, their services in precision engineering are available to companies all over Scotland and throughout the UK. The leading manufacturers of special purpose machinery for a range of applications and their website is at forestprecisionengineering.com. They also have a, a stunning new hospitality area within the, the iBooks main stand. I've seen photographs of this, it's absolutely lovely. Uh, for information on how to book the Forest Precision Engineering Executive Lounge, a unique and intimate space, email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. And uh, now to bring in my, my, my guest this evening, if I had to pick someone to, to hold my virtual hand during a, a traumatic live hosting debut, it would be the Lord of Cool himself, uh, the man who loves it, a World Cup pod almost as much as my fat self, uh, Mr. Brian Archer. Brian, thanks so much uh, for being brave enough to, to, to accompany me this traumatic evening. Um, but first thing I've got to say is, uh, Happy New Year, mate, and did you have a, did you have a nice festive period? Happy New Year, I did, yeah, filled with plenty of food and football, just the way I like it, how about yourself? Yeah, yeah, I, that's 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 pretty much my entire personality. Food and football—that's that's that's what it's all about. My wife's not watching this, but I can just basically tell you that's my two uh, that's my <laughs> two, two main things I'm all about, mate. So yeah, I I pretty much uh, gorged out in both aspects of the uh, early festive period, the football and that. And uh, are you are you missing more about we World Cup pods? I am, yeah, I'm actually missing the World Cup. I, I'm one of these kind of football fans that quite likes a game of football where I'm not really that bored who wins. So sometimes it's quite nice just to watch a game where I generally don't care the wins, but now that Rangers is back, it gets a bit more stressful. Aye, that's it. it puts you through the ringer watching Rangers. It's nice to actually kind of remember what it's like, just the, the sport itself, isn't it? Most of all, and I mean, Brian's query, we did a few um, a few pods uh, during the World Cup, uh, and they are still available to watch, as is uh, tonight's pod on our YouTube channel, or to listen to on uh, Spotify, Acast, iTunes, Castbox, or Stitcher, just wherever you get your your podcast from, folks. Um, but Brian and I, kind of, it was a controversial tournament, but because you know we can't help kind of loving the World Cup, um, we have to do a few pods about it. And don't worry, there is actually a Rangers League Cup theme uh, coming up here. But I was a bit gutted when they get a chance, Brian, to talk about the, the 1950 World Cup in Brazil. That's one of my favourites because um, that tournament, uh, the, the semi-finalists all went into a week in a round robin. They didn't actually have an actual final for that World Cup. They, just, they had uh, four teams in this little group. They all played off against each other in Brazil went into their final game. They won their first game 6-1, their second game 7-1, in their final game against Uruguay uh, at the Maracana, just needing a draw to, to win the World Cup. And uh, there was 210,000 people, the biggest crowd ever uh, at a football match. I think there was about 210,000 people there. And Brazil were one nothing up uh, into the second half. And then Uruguay got the old Dirty Tricks book out and um, they won 2-1. Uruguay won 2-1. A couple of people actually committed suicide in the stadium uh, at the Maracana. People all over Brazil. There was suicides all over Brazil. It was uh, such a disaster that they actually changed their strip. They used to play in all white with a kind of blue trim, uh, Brazil, and they launched a competition after that. That's how they've got the canary yellow and blue. It was a, a competition they launched after that game uh, to, to change the strip because they never wanted to wear that kit. 
ever again. And it became known as the Maracanã Sal. It's got Portuguese for the, the the cataclysm of the Maracanã, and it was a a result that wasn't kind of equaled in terms of you know the, the depths of despair for Brazilian football until Germany beat them seven one in the the semi finals of two thousand fourteen World Cup and the Mineral that became known as the Mineral Sal. And it's that way where Brazil, most successful team ever in the history of the World Cup, they qualified only to be qualified for every World Cup. They've won it more times than anybody else. Uh, they've won it in South America, North America, Central America. They won it in Europe. They, they won it in Asia. But they've never actually won it in Brazil. And to me, I might be overstating that a bit, but that's how I feel getting into this game on Sunday. Rangers are the kind of Brazil of the League Cup. We've won it more times than India. In fact, we won the League Cup um, as many times as this weekend's other three semi-finalists put together. And yet, it feels like it's been hammed in at sales, if you like, the last, I think this is what, our seventh semi-final uh, in the last nine seasons. We've only won one of them. Uh, and that, of course, led to the the uh, the time we, we get beat off Celtic in the final with uh, with no VAR, kind of game that Martin Lenny would have thought was uh, absolutely, you know, extraordinary and, and, and reeking of something. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to kind of kid anybody on or patronise anybody by giving it. What's your favourite um, which your favourite League Cup memory with Rangers, uh, Brian? Is it Ali scoring that hat trick in '84? Let's be honest about it. If we're going to set the mood, we have to set it properly. What's been the most painful memory for you since um, in the League Cup since we last lifted it in 2011 with, with Walter? I mean, to be honest, there's a couple of recent ones. The 2019 one that you mentioned that really hurt because we absolutely battled them and we should have won that game comfortably with the chances ah. we had and their goal being offside as well. That kind of just added a bit of solid to the wins. Um, but yeah, we had the, we had enough chances to be you know win that three three one you know um, even with their goal being offside. But even um, was it Sibirin that put us out in the fifty five season? That really hurts as well because I think that season was a real chance for me anyway. That was a real chance for us to go into a treble. For me, we should have we should have had the treble that season. As good as we were in the league, and you know um, that season will never be taken away in terms of what it gave us and the unbeaten run. But I still. And I think Michael Beale has this as well. He's still got that weak kind of issue where he thinks as well that that should have been a treble. And I've I've got to agree with him. I think I've heard him say that on a couple of podcasts he's done where he still kind of views that season as great as it was. It could have been better. I absolutely. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anybody thinking that Rangers League Cup kind of pain of the past decades has been has been limited to Hamden. You're, you're right. You know, we're putting this out in Paisley in uh, the '55 season, and I think four for. The second season, and we're, we're, we're journey back, so to speak. Four for beat us at Station Park, I think the, the very first, very first game in the League Cup, and that was. I just remember being so glad in a pathetic sort of way that four for were actually were in the same league as them at that point, so we weren't getting picked by a lower league team. But uh, it didn't really. It wasn't much a consolation. Um, I I think the the two thousand nineteen twenty. It was December two thousand nineteen. We played Celtic in that final. That was a weird one. It was it was traumatic, and maybe it's just what happened the following seasons kind of skewed my memory, but. I, I remember the fear, just the, the, the atmosphere of fear coming from the Celtic end of the stadium that day because yeah. we were playing them off the park. You know, and I think it was one of the moments that kind of typified that moment where a team who's won a lot of things is in a winning kind of groove, even when they were playing poorly, still managed to kind of, you know, pull it out the bag. And a team who hadn't been winning, and anyway, they hadn't won trophies for a while, the situation we were in at the time, it was just that last moment where. It was a kind of the night being darkest just before the dawn. And I remember coming away from Hamden that day thinking that was absolutely brutal. But I don't think it's going to get any worse than that. And it, and nah, easy to say now because the following season, like you say, they, they ran away with the league. But um, uh, it's been pretty painful. 
I mean, you, you combine working a League Cup hand in disasters um, since 2012, we had a few sore wins in Mount Florida in the Scottish Cup over the last decade. You know, we had a, a semi-final thrashing by Celtic in 2018 and that kind of horror show in the 2016 final against Hibs. But the Scottish Cup finally been won again last May against Hearts, a, a great day uh, in Mount Florida uh, straight after the, the Europa League final. Is it more about, was it more about a Hamden hoodoo that's kind of run a form at the National Stadium? Uh, or is it specifically a League Cup hoodoo over the last decade? And uh, do you feel maybe that winning at Hamden in the Scottish Cup is going to help lift the bad feeling hanging around Rangers in the League Cup at Hamden? Yeah, I think it has been a bit of a Hamden hoodoo. I think, I don't know, maybe there's been a bit of an intimidation in terms of going to that stadium and winning there. Hopefully, the, I think the Scottish Cup final win last season puts that to bed. I think, you know, there's plenty of players in that squad that have got that experience. They know what it means to walk up those stairs and lift a, lift a trophy at the end. So, you know, they all know that kind of feeling and they know what they're, what they're fighting for on Sunday to get that chance again. So I think any kind of talk I am doing who do going at this one, I think it's well and truly put to bed. Um, we just need to focus on playing our football and kind of let the football do the talking there. I mean, Jake, was, was there ever any stage where it was... Um, it was it was just good enough for Rangers to be getting back to Hamden. Even I think I mean ironically, um, their first season on the journey back, so to speak, when we're in the, the third division in the fourth tier, we're playing Queens Park in the league yeah. when, when they when they yeah. still played out of Hamden. Um, so we actually went there twice that season. But you know the the the, the connotation of getting to Hamden means you're getting to kind of semi final final stage of national cup competitions. I mean we did actually win the Challenge Cup. Nobody wants to talk about that now, but we did actually win the Challenge Cup at Hamden the week before. Um, we became the first kind of championship side, the first lower league side to win an old firm game when we beat Celtic in that, that Scottish yeah. Cup uh, semi final. Was, was there ever, do you think, a stage where it was like, oh, it's good just to see Rangers back at Hamden, or is it just we have to win or else don't go there at all? Yeah, now for me, Rangers are all about lifting trophies. It's the way it's always been and the way it's, it should always be for me. Um, we're a club built on, on winning things, we're not happy just to get the finals. For me, that's the Derek McInnes attitude of you know we're happy just to be here that's never been been the Rangers way we're always all about the you know right we're at a final now go and win it it's it's kind of why we don't romanticise you know Manchester 2008 yes it was great to, to get there but we didn't you know go and do a play about it or there's no kind of DVDs about the running stuff it's for Rangers it's all about lifting the, trof- the trophy at the end of it um, and when we don't do that we tend to kind of go right okay that was disappointing they wanted the next one Aye, absolutely, and, and, and on that note, I mean, like the league cups are kind of it's the oldest league cup um, in the world. There's a few league cup competitions run about domestic leagues, Scotland and in, in England. It's the only one of the domestic trophies that's get get three handles, and you know, you know, I'm getting into symbolism here, Brian. But I think sometimes for Rangers and Celtic, especially over the years, it's been seen that the the, the league cups only any use to us if it's part of a treble. But because we haven't won it since liquidation in 2012, but, but we've done everything else. We've won the league, we've won the Scottish Cup, we've been to a European final, we've even been back in the, the Champions League group stages. Is it is it like we really need to win this League Cup as a kind of a re- the final mark that we've completely returned uh, to normality? I mean, I, we put Motherwell at the League Cup at Ibrox in September 2012, you know, in our first season in the lower leagues, and that felt like our first kind of big statement of intent and the road back for liquidation. But then when they beat, the, beat us in the semi-final in the League Cup, when Motherwell beat us in the semi-final like five years later, it felt like one of the massive signs of how long we still had to go. Um, I mean, Tavernier, James Tavernier was getting asked a kind of similar question in the, the captain's press conference yesterday. You know, is, is there more than mere symbolism to Rangers finally reclaiming the third and last of the major domestic honours that we haven't won since 2012? 
think it is more than symbolism. For me, any talk of, you know, the journey back and stuff like that was put to bed. For me, when we got to the Champions League, for me, that was the symbol of Rangers being back to to where we should be and where we want to be. For me, this is all about just getting back now to to lifting trophies regularly. You know, Rangers aren't really used to trophy-less seasons prior to administration. Even if we didn't win the league, generally we would would win something, be it a League Cup or a Scottish Cup. Um, And we just need to get, get back to that habit of just winning trophies it's they always say in football winning's a habit and there's no better habit than, than winning trophies and knowing that when you get to a final you've got the experience behind you to go on and win it so I think for me that's what that's all about particularly for the League Cup the significance of the League Cup for me has always been that it's the first one up for grabs so it kind of gives you that kind of boost for the rest of the season that you've got the first one under your, your belt now go and get a few more and I think that's another reason why that 2019 League Cup final kind of rankles with me because it was the first one and I think had we have went on and won that that season may not have kind of went the way it did go because I think we were pretty much neck and neck with Celtic at the time I think we beat them in the old firm game the, was it the week later or a fortnight later and then the winter break and then we kind of had our claps after that but I think had we have won that that first League Cup and the first trophy of the season I think that season could have turned out differently no, you quite. I think there's, there's definitely a thing about that. that we seem to have done things in the wrong order. You know, I think when we were, when we were in the third division, people expected us. Right, that was one of the few times in in the history of the Rangers support they've been quite happy with a wee league cup. You know, just to keep us going because you didn't expect to be winning. You know, the the, the 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 kind of top title the first season we're back in the we're back in the top tier. But no, I've got to, I've got to be honest with you. I feel as if there's a slight kind of not so much a symbolism, but it's good back to that thing of the hoodoo. I think. You could say we're kind of back to normal. We've reached one League Cup final. We've reached two Scottish Cup finals since since 2012. Uh, but we've not actually... That, that was kind of... Rangers used to get to finals. We're used to get... We've been to Hamden a lot of times over the last 10 years. That's felt kind of normal. But it is this, this, in the back of my mind... Uh, we need to win. We need to win this League Cup just to have completely set. I think a lot of Rangers fans, myself included, uh, fans of my age, are looking back at when Alec McLeish took over for Dick Advocate kind of halfway through... Uh, 2001-2002 season, you know, when we've got Michael yeah. taking over for a Dutch manager as well. Um, and thinking, you know, we, we might still be at that stage. Of, can I merely, if we win both domestic cups, we've, we're going to show in Celtic that, that we could set ourselves up to win a treble like we did in 2002-2003 yeah. in the following season. But I think it's more like there's a kind of treble going on if we can win this League Cup. There's a kind of treble that, that I'm sorry to keep going about it, but since 2012, that's us finally get everything yeah. done. You know, we've won everything uh, that we haven't won since like we just to finally get get it out of our mind that we that we can never get back to normal yep. uh, after that. But um I I mean I, I see I, I go on about symbolism all the time and I, I, something you might have noticed, uh, something that a lot of other fans out there will definitely have noticed a lot of our uh, jazz night punters is that my ticket for this Sunday semi final landed in my doormat the day after Gio was sacked. And I just felt as if well, Gio took over the job the day after we get beat in the League Cup semi-final. It was at Hamden uh, when Hibs yeah. beat us 3-1. Yeah. And the day Gio gets sacked, I think that was the same day that Martin Boyle announced. Martin Boyle, the guy who scored a hat-trick against us in the last season's League Cup semi-final for Hibs. I think it was the same day that Gio gets sacked that he announced he was out of the World Cup for Australia because yeah. he was injured. I'm not, I don't mean that in a shadow for you. I wouldn't wish that in the guy. But it just seemed like there's a kind of... You know, it's something going on there. Michael Beals, he's, he's saying that the day in his press conference, he, how lucky he is to have a semi-final uh, in his first game but I, I don't know if he's under a bit of pressure here Michael Beale because Gio actually only lost the only the only knockout game that he lost and Beale alluded to this today 
was against Eintracht Frankfurt after extra time and penalties in the, the Europa League uh, Europa League final uh, in Seville. He only lost one goal, conceded one goal, winning the Scottish Cup last season. He's only conceded one goal in this season's League Cup. He was unbeaten in Cup competition, Gio. Um, so does Michael Beale, does he get, he's not going to get a lot of praise for winning this on Sunday, but he's going to get absolutely slaughtered if we lose this. Or is he just going to, is he just going to, he's under pressure, is he actually just going to relish the chance to get to a Cup final so soon after taking over? I think that kind of, he won't get a lot of praise if he wins it and he'll get slaughtered if he if he loses it. I think that's just the nature of being the Rangers manager. And the that's the job, isn't it? That, that's I think job. it's it's just a pressure like no other. I, I can't really fathom the kind of pressure that being the Rangers manager puts you under because the expectations are so high. And you won't get a lot of praise for beating Aberdeen in a semi-final because it's, it's just expected. That's just what Rangers are expected to do. We're expected to get the finals and, and win things. It's what... Well, the fan base has been brought up on and it's it's the way it should be. Um, so he won't get a huge amount of praise for, for being Aberdeen in a semi-final. Um, but for me, you know, Michael Beale knows what it's all about. He's He's been here before, as he said, so he knows the expectation and what was expected of him. He'll be as desperate as anyone to get that first trophy under his belt because I think that's could be quite significant for him. Being a young manager as well, and some would say unproven, um, and coming into this massive job, getting that first trophy on the belt, I think that'll be quite a big thing for him, and he'll want to get that as soon as possible. Um, and it also just helps kind of build momentum going into the latter half of this season and also next season. Um, and getting back to winning things is always kind of carrot for players that you want to bring to the club. You know, it's always good to see your potential new signings. You know, if, he, if Michael Beale in the summer could turn around and say, look, we've got two trophies in the bag last season, you know, that's that's something in itself so I think he'll be as desperate as anyone to, to get us to the final and go on and win it um, and you know hopefully he does the business on Sunday uh, yeah, I think I think it's what's playing in my mind and uh, as you know I'm into my coincidences and all that kind of nonsense but Gio, uh, Gio won well, his first seven league games in Charles and all that but he's run when you include Europe when Gio took over as manager Bill's on exactly the same run just now you know, like if you take out that friendly against Bayer Leverkusen for, for, for Michael Beale and just look at competitive matches, uh, he, he won his first four, drew his fifth, and then, he, you know, uh, I think Gio drew with Leon away in that dead rubber game in the Europa League. Beale drew uh, with, with Celtic at, at Ibrox. And then after that, Gio followed that up with a 2 0 win at Tynecastle in the league. And, you know, Beale's followed it up with a 2 0 win uh, at Tannadice uh, in the league. And I think he said himself, the thing I do like about, about Beale is, I felt as if Gio, although he always pointed out if we'd been luckier or we could have done better in a game when he was having that be kind of good run at the start of his of his stint, he would kind of accentuate the fact that we'd won, we'd, we'd got the win done, and the kind of you know the, the performance was a kind of a by the way thing. Whereas Bill seems to be he's winning games, but the, the, the three points he's getting is almost a kind of caveat. He's emphasising that the performance is having me good enough. He's definitely he's definitely looking forward, and I'm and I'm only saying that because I, I I know I'm going to again sound like sound like that guy uh, when I say this, but Bill could be out of if we get a bit depressing about this, Bill could realistically be out of both cup competitions in the space of uh, six days. Six days, and what's that? We've got a wee trip to Kilmarnock uh, in between times in the league, uh, and I think one more defeat in the league, one more slip up in the league, and we're probably officially, uh, almost officially, out of that as well. But we've got no European football after Christmas for the first time in, in four years, and is that I, I, normally we think it's kind of brutal. Um, if we don't have any European football after Christmas, you'd rather have European football after Christmas. But is it actually helping Rangers in a domestic sense? I get the feeling that we've kind of we've kind of done Europe 
you know, it done us in the Champions League, but I feel as if we're, the support at large are maybe a bit more kind of focused on domestic football now. Do you feel as if it's actually going to help Bill being out of Europe? The one area will definitely will help is you'll get a lot more time on the training pitch and we know that Michael Beal is a kind of trade that classic training ground coach where he likes to get the players on the training ground doing drills, working on, you know, tactical shape and patterns of play and stuff like that. So that'll definitely help. Um, for me, I always want Rangers to be in Europe. I love the European nights. Um, last season, of course, I did, everyone did. But I do think... You know, that Champions League run definitely took something out of us. I think towards those last couple of games, I think, you know, we were kind of going into them not really expecting a huge amount and the kind of heavy beatings we took definitely took its toll. So I think there's definitely something to be said for, you know, just having the domestic scene to focus on from now on until the end of the season could be a benefit. Um, less games, hopefully less injuries, you know, getting players back fit. So there's definitely kind of advantages in it. Um, and hopefully... The kind of what we see out the back of that is two trophies at least. Um, obviously, the league's looking difficult. I'll never write it off completely at this stage. Um, but obviously, it looks difficult. But we're still definitely in with a, a shout for two trophies. So hopefully, if he delivers that, then it sets us up well for next season. I just, I just mentioned the European thing because I, I felt as if a strange thing, an ongoing argument I was having, not a, a point I was making with other boys in the pod over the past couple of years was it was really frustrating as obviously not winning as many domestic trophies that even Michael Beale himself was saying we should have won the treble uh, in our 55 season but I always felt like every time you know not, like, I would always say nobody in the rest of Europe gives a hoot about who wins the Scottish title never mind who wins the Scottish League Cup or wins the Scottish Cup they notice you what you do in group stages and what you do in, in, in European competition uh, and every time we like say even qualified for a group stage in Europe at first under Gerard, I felt it was like a kind of salve a kind of catharsis uh, for everything we'd been through in the lower leagues and the kind of humiliations we suffered when we first come back up uh, and the top flight. It was never going to make us forget about them, but it, it felt to me as if it was really good. I, I get a sense, even last season, even before we actually got to Seville, I think when we when we lost in Leipzig, uh, we lost the first leg in Leipzig, it wasn't, it wasn't actually a bad result. We only lost 1-0 and, of course, we eventually put Leipzig out in the semis. And before that, in the quarters, we, we lost the first leg in the Europa League uh, quarterfinal to, to Braga and Braga. The deluge of abuse that you see on social media for the team from Rangers fans, and I think we're having an argument with a guy saying, "Hold your horses, this is amazing. This 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 run we've been on, even if it ends at the quarterfinal stage or whatever." And he was saying, "Well, who cares about Europe? It's what what we do in the league." And I don't know if it's just a lot of boys are working with Celtic fans who are getting right in their face and messing with their head or whatever. But it, it, it almost do you feel basically what I'm trying to say is that a lot of Rangers fans are actually more excited about winning the League Cup and like kind of doing doing something serious domestically than they are about Europe. I think potentially, yeah, because I think it goes back to that, you know, there was there's more than a generation of Rangers fans out there that were brought up on Rangers winning trophies and that was, you know, through the nine in a row, you know, European was great, but we never had a lot of European success during that time, but the one thing we did do is we lifted an awful lot of trophies and those kind of, that generation of fans were, that was kind of their Rangers team, that's what they were brought up on is, you know, Rangers lift trophies, that's just what we do. And I think that's why there is, you know, those fans out there that they would rather a League Cup over, you know, a potential European, a Europa League quarterfinal, because it's just that symbolism of seeing the Rangers captain going up and lifting a trophy. It's just that, you know, what I was saying earlier, Rangers fans just, they love to see their, their teams winning trophies. And, you know, when we don't win it, we're not really that, you know, that's kind of right. You know, right, we got to Europa League quarterfinal, but we want to win, we want to win some trophies. Um, and I think that's just the standard that, that Rangers fans have been brought up on. 
I just find it because the last four times we've we've uh, failed in the League Cup, we've still been in Europe. You know, we've still. Like, I know we didn't yeah. qualify after Christmas in Gerard's first season uh, for Europe, but we played Aberdeen that League Cup semi final that time in October. So we're still in the group stage of Europa League, and it's like it, it's almost like we used our League Cup energy to get us to to get us to Seville, and now hopefully there's going to be a wee transfer. You know, the, the European yeah. energy that we've got, we're going to transfer that into well the League Cup to start with, and hopefully uh, the Scottish Cup as well this season. We better talk about our opponents on Sunday. Brian Aberdeen, we beat them in the very first League Cup final back in 1947. In fact, we've met them six times in the final, and it's a uh, five-one to Rangers. Uh, meeting Aberdeen in the final, but that record is almost reversed in semi-finals. Aberdeen are winning that 4-2. In fact, they beat us 5-1 in the 1976-77 semi-final. That was between between two seasons where Rangers won the treble. It's over 30 years since we've beat them in the semi-finals of the League Cup, and of course they beat us through that Lewis Ferguson goal on that horrible Sunday uh, in 2018. I don't know why we always get the Sunday game. Every time us and Celtic are playing yeah, like yeah. we always it's always a Sunday, you know, and I hate football on a Sunday. That just adds to the whole kind of um, uh, the bad vibes I've got. I'm a bit different. I quite like the football on a Sunday. Aye. But the reason being is that I kinda by the time the Sunday, especially when it's a Sunday kind of evening or late afternoon game, by the time it's got to that point, I've had my weekend. But most of it. So if Rangers win, it's a nice weekend to my weekend. But if they lose, well they kind of really ruin my weekend because I've already had most of it. So I'm like, Aye. right. So that's kind of the way I look at this. Well, actually, quite I've got loads of football online were complaining about last week's game being the Sunday at four o'clock, but I actually quite liked it because I sort of had my weekend and then that second half performance, that was a nice weekend to my weekend. I'm going to take that on board. That's, that's, that sounds like good advice because it, it totally ruins my week at Sunday football. I'm like, I like to, I've, I've still got, you know, traditional kind of Monday to Friday guy. And so come a Saturday, I've still got a bit of kind of, yeah, left in me to, to cope with the, the tension of the Rangers game. And uh, by Sunday, I just like to be sitting with my feet up watching a week kind of period drama, you know, and when, uh, in the BBC or something like that. You know, I'm just, I can't even do me getting my, my stress levels up on a Sunday. But no, that's, I like that vibe because the other thing is, um, another thing about Michael Beale's record uh, in his uh, kind of seven games in Charles, or his six competitive games in Charles so far, uh, he hasn't won during the day. Yeah, that game with Tanadice last kicked off at four o'clock, it's in the dark at the day. He's, all the games he's won have been in the dark. Um, and uh, the only time he's played a, a game in the daylight was when we dropped two points to Celtic uh, at Ibrook. So I know first half <laughs> in sunny Glasgow, first half in Sunday is, is going to be in daylight. So I don't know, it just, doesn't it bode well, mate? But um, I. <laughs> Because uh, it's been it's been played a, an hour earlier than the last Sunday's game, but uh, let's go into the kind of planet Earth. Do you think uh, Aberdeen, the fact that we've beat them in the two league games this season, uh, we've played them, beat them home and away, and they, they kind of Jim Goodwin kind of embarrassed himself in, in in both games? Do you think that's going to make them even more dangerous because they've got kind of less to prove? I think the last game at um, at Pataudry, that certainly seemed to hurt them um, when you seen Jim. Goodwin's interviews after it, you kind of got the feeling this is going to haunt them for a while. So I do wonder what kind of reaction we'll get from that game specifically, whether we'll he'll kind of try and get them fired up and kind of come at us or whether he'll set up and um, be kind of ultra-defensive and, and try and just camp in and try and sort of nick a goal on the break and um, sit in. So it will be interesting, I think, the last game, just because of the way it ended and us getting that, those two goals in the kind of dying minutes and just the pain that you seem to see on Jim Goodwin's face after it, um, it will be interesting to see because it could potentially make them more dangerous. Yeah, I think there's a slight risk of that. But to me, at the end of the day, I think this Aberdeen team, I think they've only won one of their last six. They're not in great form. I think before their game last weekend that they won, that was their first winning. Um, 
you know, the fans were starting to make noises about not being happy with Jim Goodwin and potentially thinking he's a man under pressure and stuff like that. So for me, we should have more than enough to, to get the win, especially on that big Hamden pitch. We'd think, you know, we've got the players to kind of exploit that space and, and really I, um, go for them. Because they, I mean, I think when it came to Ibrox in October, they came for us, they went for us, and it worked for a wee while. They obviously they took the lead in that game, but I think Goodwin got kind of slagged for being a bit too cocky. Because it started, you know, early doors, a lot of Aberdeen fans were saying, oh, maybe we're going to be back to being the third force uh, when it was only October, you know, uh, in, in, in the Scottish League. And we, we gave him a bit of a wallop in that day. And then, of course, as you say, 95th minute, they were beating us uh, in the game at Pataudry. And then he's, he's, he's on his knees. And they just lost to a late goal um, against Celtic in the previous yeah. game, but they hadn't yeah. attacked them at all. Um, so yeah. they'd be, they'd, they'd this game, all right, we're going to have a go at Rangers. And uh, that didn't work either. Uh, what worries me, obviously, is that, all you and I, even in this pod, are talking about is Rangers winning the League Cup. We're always focused on the final, winning the thing. Whereas, you know, it sounds insulting, but I don't mind insulting Aberdeen fans the, the way they, 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 after the banner they brought to Ibrox earlier this season. Um, we are their Cup final. And I mean that, and I, yeah. that's dangerous for Rangers. They, they're fully focused in this game. Um, whereas we, we, might be, we might be looking ahead. So I'm, I'm not going to be too too arrogant uh, about it because it, it could be dangerous. But um, and Aberdeen have actually they've won it. More recently than us as a club, they won it in 2014. And Goodwin won the League Cup as a player. He was a St Mirren captain when they when, when they won it in 2013. Um, and of course, he was a manager when uh, St Mirren put us out uh, during the 55 season out of this, out of this competition. Um, they're only just starting to, as you say, turn around a kind of terrible run. And they beat St Johnson, a solid win over St Johnson uh, last week at Pataudry. They had a draw a week before that, but they'd, before that, they'd, they'd lost four in a row in the league. Who do you see though as their, their kind of main threats, and is there, is there a danger that they're actually going to turn into a good cup team this Aberdeen side? Potentially, I mean, you often find that we kind of teams that aren't doing so well in in the league that they kind of see the cup as their kind of their way of kind of getting a bit of momentum. So there's there's potential danger there. For um, them, we know Goodwin doesn't need any excuse to get his team up for a game against Rangers. We know that. You have the team fired up, so there's that kind of danger as well. As you say, they see us as their cup final, so we know that's always the case when we play Aberdeen. So they'll have extra motivation. I think for me, we just need to go out there and try and just play our game, kind of impose ourselves on them, and I think we'll have more than enough to get the win. Just hopefully we keep it tight at the back, don't make any silly errors, and don't give them any kind of hope, and just, um, yeah, just go and play our game and let our football do the talking. Yeah, because they've got a few good players. I mean, that um, is it like Duke, they call him, he scored that free kick against us at Pataudry. Um, he's a kind of Portuguese-born fella. He plays internationally yeah. for uh, Cape Verde Islands. I mean, I know Alan McGregor got a bit, a bit of stick for that free kick, but I think it was an absolute, it was a bit of a wonder strike. I think it was a, a really, really, a really, it really kind of flattened the ball kind of mid-air and it just dipped down uh, after going over the wall. It was... A cracking free kick. I think he plays kind of wide, and he. I, think, I, I don't know if it was him that uh, Red Van was tackling in the league game at Ibrox when uh, his his leg just went pop, and that was him uh, out. And they've got they've got that Mayovsky, Bojan Mayovsky, a Macedonian striker. He plays up top, and they kind of. Yeah. I think they play a four two three one when they're feeling a bit more confident, maybe at home, and he's the kind of lone striker. But he's got eleven league goals this season. So he knows what he's doing. Apologies if any of these guys have been, you know, if they're suspended or injured, because I'm, I'm no reading Aberdeen websites to find out what their uh, <laughs> what their situation is. And but the, the young boy Leighton Clarkson, he's in loan from uh, Liverpool. He scored the other goal yeah. against us at Pataudry. He's, he's a crank wee player. But uh, they only beat lower league opposition on their way 
just you know you had to play in the group stages for the first time in the League Cup, um, the new group stages because they did qualify for Europe, which uh, is good to know. But um, aye, there's still there's still a threat. We, I mean, we've only beaten what was it, uh, Queen of the South and who else did we beat in the next round? Oh, Dundee. A god-awful game against Dundee uh, at Ibrox. Steve Davis, I hope that's not his last goal for Rangers. Um, a cracking winner, but my God, that was a that was that was one. Of, I've never I was never get fully on board the kind of Geo must be sacked bus, but that was a night I was kind of walking down to the bus stop and having a look at the timetable and thinking maybe things just only going to only going to work out here, right, mate? On to Rangers, the, the the main news, and so let's talk about our own team. Uh, I think last Sunday's pod, the boys Colin, Gary, and Ross, they covered the kind of ongoing questions about Alfredo Morelos' long term future, and the, one of the demerits uh, regarding Alfie was his stupid yellow card against Air United in the 2018-19 League Cup quarter final, which meant he couldn't play in that semi final uh, against Aberdeen, uh, which meant poor Umar Sadiq and he's only kind of start for Rangers uh, on loan from I don't know how that guy played for Roma he played for so many teams in Serie A he's now playing for Real Sociedad uh, in La Liga I don't know how he managed it but uh, I would have been, it'd been better with me up front that day um, so I'm feeling kind of spoiled just to have Alfie in his current physical state uh, available for selection uh, on Sunday along with uh, Kamar Roof um, Bill was gushing about him today being, being ready he's ready to come back uh, maybe for a start um, and of course we've got Fashion Sakala is on fantastic form just now so I feel kind of spoiled and Lewis Ferguson who scored the goal that day he's in Bologna just now so there's no danger of him playing for Aberdeen but if we could play the way we did and score the goals that we scored at Pataudry and Tanadice recently uh, under Bill surely there's no way Aberdeen can handle us in the big kind of open spaces of Hamden Yeah I think that second half at Tanadice for me that's kind of the the benchmark where we want to get to and improve on that's sort of a starting point in terms of performance level um, in that second half, I thought our passing and moving was much better. Um, and we just seemed much more fluent as a team. I don't know whether that had kind of all we do with Morelos coming on for, for Cholak at halftime. Um, it did seem that he kind of offers something different and potentially the other players behind him sort of prefer having him as the focal point in terms of he's a bit more able to get involved in the game and kind of hold up the ball and really, you know, defenders on his own you know, it's not really Cholak's game so he kind of offers that different option um, and I think the squad are maybe just more used to having that that kind of player up front but I think that bad performance in the sector if that's kind of what we want to see um, it's kind of the, the benchmark and to improve on and I think if we reach those levels then we should have enough to, um, to see off Aberdeen um, yeah I think we've got the quality in the team Sakala's on best form he's been on since he arrived in terms of goal scoring although he, he will occasionally trip over the ball at times as well <laughs> um, but I don't mind that if he can score uh, if he can keep scoring the way he's scoring I don't mind that to be honest Damn right. so hopefully he, uh, he grabs another one on Sunday as well Aye and of course uh, well, the one thing we must say is that the Aberdeen captain is uh, pretty confident uh, that he'll be able to handle Morelis a lot, a lot easier than, uh, than Cholak did you see that? Yeah I don't really understand these comments they never I don't really know what they're supposed to achieve other than to kind of fire up the opposition player. I mean, I'd imagine Michael Beale's just kind of showed Morelos that and kind of, he's almost done his team talk for him. I don't, I never understand the sense behind these, these kind of comments. They never seem to kind of work in, in the, their favour in terms of the, the player that's making the comments. It never seems to go their way. So I don't understand why you don't just say, kind of throw out the kind of stereotypical line of, oh, they're both, they're both good players, you know, whichever one I play, I'll be ready or something like that. I don't know why you have to kind of go and have that dig. I just don't see the point now. 
I know. I, I mean, I went. I'm saying I don't look at Aberdeen stuff, um, but of course I did. As soon as I saw that, I thought I'm going to check this out in case the guy's been done. You know, I know what hacks can be like. You know, these yeah. evil journalists can be like. But it, it kind of they're doing that thing of they're kind of going, oh, it's just a laugh. You no, know, come on, give us a quote that we can use to slaughter you. Uh, but he did kind of back it up. You think he kind of he did know what he said. The guy he's like 30 years old. The fella, he's not as if he's a, a, a young pop. He was he was kind of caught in the headlights. But but Goodwin, he seemed to kind of back up what I'm saying. Um, what he was saying, basically saying, I am, I think, Cholak's better than, than Morellis and Jim Goodman would just try to put out the fire as soon as possible. You know, basically almost apologising to us, you know, and I mean, total respect to Rangers and all that, because he knows, he knows better than them, as you say, how it's just going to fire up Morellis. So it's all going well uh, pre-match anyway. I'm going to have to ask you um, about Alec Lowry, <laughs> Brian, because uh, I don't really get this. I, I might know if you do, but he scored a hat-trick against the Civil Service Strollers for the B team during the week at Dumbarton on Tuesday. I was in Dumbarton on Tuesday during the day, so he can obviously aquaplane. It's the wettest I've ever seen a place in my entire life. The weather was was unbelievable, so he's, he's a hell of a player to score a hat-trick in any kind of pitch in that kind of weather. But James Tavery had to ask, answer questions about him yesterday in the captain's press, and then Beals having to kind of quash. Did he, ever since he scored that hat-trick this week, it seems to have been he either, he either goes out on loan or we get him in the first team. You no, know, I, I don't. I don't. I don't get this. Why? Why has Alec Lowry even become a, a debate? I think it's just because Rangers fans are desperate to see one of their own really break through into the first team and establish themselves. We've not really um, had it in a while. Um, we've kind of had players that threatened to do it with Ross McCrory. Um, Glenn Middleton had that spell as well where he looked really good when Gerard first came in Robbie McCrory's been in and about but I think the Rangers fans just love to see one of their own out in the pitch and I think we're desperate to see a youngster kind of really break through and establish himself and there's no doubt about it that Alex Lowry looks like the most talented of that kind of crop of youngsters that we've got in the in the B team so I think that's why there's so much attention on him and so much debate around does he go out on loan should he be playing more in the first team I think we're just desperate to see what he can do, I think we all think that he's a special talent, but you know, he obviously needs that run of games in the first team to prove that he's got that kind of capability to be able to step up and be a, a regular. Um, so I think that's why there's so much interest in him and so much kind of attention on him, just because we're, we're kind of almost starved of seeing kind of a real talent breakthrough. You know, you go back to Barry Ferguson, was obviously the famous, most famous example, mm-hmm. and then we've had McGregor and Hutton as well, but you know, that's going back a long time now we've not really had that for a while so I think we're just looking to to kind of see one of our own kind of really break through and um, yeah make a name for themselves I, I definitely get the, the, the kind of homebred thing it's better to have somebody who understands the west of Scotland if you like who understands the environment you know and who's going to, who knows what's required I think a lot of times I've seen uh, Rangers teams you know a lot of foreigners in the team and they, they don't really understand why for example you know Aberdeen can be bottom of the league <laughs> and then come and play like Real Madrid uh, against us. Um, but beyond that, I'm quite happy to see any. If, if you're good enough, you're good enough. You know, I don't really care where you come from or what age you are or whatever. And I think, I mean, Alec Lowry, he had a fantastic game against Livingston uh, last year, last season. Yeah, I mean, Scott Arfield scored the winner kind of late on, and he played against Motherwell this season almost exactly the same time. You know, in between times, the kind of last league game of last season, we put out the, the B team um, in my last league game at Tynecastle. Fantastic day. I thought it was really good that the, the babes slaughtered yeah. uh, Hearts yeah. and, and, and Lowry scored. But I think we're in a situation now where if Yanis Hadji is going to come back from this serious injury, you know, and Michael Beale saying he's, he, he's getting there, if he gets straight back into the first team and Alec Lowry has managed it, then the boy's just not good enough. And it's 
to me, it's a kind of straightforward. I, I don't really get why there's all this, all this uh, kind of hullabaloo about it. You know, I, I don't. Obviously, it's the, the, the more good players, we're just going to have the better. But this is, you know, I think Bill and Gio now are both kind of said, no, he's not quite there yet. You know, and I think Tab said yesterday he has to kind of push through. I think it was the phrase Tab used. This kind of ongoing theme that Lowry needs. We're getting the idea that he might kind of need to alter his attitude a bit. You know. Maybe a yeah. bit cocky, but uh, I mean, I wish him all the best now, and I hope he turns out an absolute superstar for us, you know. But uh, I just don't kind of understand it. But uh, I'm going to leave the goalkeeper uh, to one side just now. That's a, a separate wee discussion we can have. But um, one great thing about being a host is I hate picking a team, I hate trying to pick a team, so I can put this on to my, to my guest. And you can get your own back next Friday when I think I'm the guest and you're the host, uh, Brian. But you're good at this, you nearly get the old firm uh, starting 11 uh, spot on. So, what's your what's your, your outfield ten? What's your starting outfield ten so, for Sunday? Outfield ten, I think the back four pretty much back to sale. I think he's now got his favoured back four, and um, we've looked a lot more solid since Goldson and Davies came in. So, I think it will be that you know back four that started last week to have Goldson and Davies Burner. I will be interested to see when Yomas comes back. Who he goes at left back? I think that will be interesting because I think Yomas was starting to come on yeah a game before he got injured so that'll be interesting when he comes back but I think for Sunday he'll go with that um, back four midfield and my only kind of question in there is does he bring Kamara back in because we know Michael Beal likes Glenn Kamara so I wonder if I think he might go with Kamara in for Jack and then have Lundstrom and Tillman alongside him and then I think I think the forward line picks itself I think you can't drop fashion together on the form that he's on just now you've got to keep him in the team and I think Morelos is much for anything as much just for the, the comments that the Aberdeen captain made I think you've got to let him start this one um, and really kind of let him prove him prove him wrong and then we know that Michael Beale loves Ryan Kent so Ryan Kent's um, you know going to start he's probably first name on the team sheet uh, after Tav to be honest um, so that would be my team I think that's I think that would be the team Beale will go with the only question I would have is, as you say around the goalkeeper I think you could probably pick either McLaughlin or McGregor for that one. Aye, and, and to ask you about John McLaughlin or Alan McGregor, what I'm really asking you is leading into a question about Michael Beale and Michael Beale in press conferences, which I find really interesting. We could do a whole pod, I think, about Michael Beale eh, in press conferences. Eh, John McLaughlin's last game at Hamden was the Scottish Cup final. You know, he, he keeps a clean sheet. It's a great day. And eh, he then, a beautiful gesture, he gets Alan McGregor on for the last couple of minutes. Uh, injury time he's sharing that clean sheet and I think we all thought that's a beautiful gesture because obviously Alan McGregor is leaving and then Alan McGregor stays and he's a Rangers hero and nobody wants to say anything about it but he stays his back up and then McLaughlin has a kind of howler at Parkhead and it doesn't look as if under Geo it's no certain who is the first choice goalkeeper then Michael Beale comes in and seems to be picking Alan McGregor seems to be favouring him um, but what what gets me is the way at Tanadice he seemed to get kind of ambushed I don't it, the various press conferences, I'm watching Luke Shanley interviewing him for Sky Sports before the game at Tandice, then afterwards, and I see him kind of in that wee, that wee corner outside the Jerry Kerr stand at Tandice with the kind of press pack uh, talking to him as well. They seem to eke out a statement from Bill that he picked John McLaughlin ahead of Alan McGregor for Tandice because he thought Dundee United were going to be hitting him with a lot of set pieces. Which to me kind of says, he's he's basically saying Alan McGregor can't take crossbars. You know, which a lot of us suspect, you know, but yeah. you had to have your manager saying that. And then the day he's thrown Robbie McCrory into the mix as well, and saying that he's always expecting to showcase him between now and the end of the season, I'm thinking, I don't want us to be involved in any games 
between now and the end of the season where we, we can afford to showcase a young goalie who hasn't been worthy of a, you know, getting picked since, you know, since early last season. Uh, I'm basically asking, does Michael Beale talk too much? Is, does he actually say too much? He's like a breath of fresh air. He's really interesting. Um, but is he actually kind of giving the game away? He's got this whole thing just now about playing, he's playing the players off each other. And I'm not really sure if it's going to get to a point where he's he's, he's, he's causing uh, a bit of dissent. So what do you think he's pressers in that, in that sense? It's really interesting. It's probably not something we, we are used to in terms of Rangers managers. Usually we're used to Rangers managers playing their cards really close to their chest. And right. Michael Beal is completely the opposite. Um, I think I've said this before, but I think it's going to be one of these things that while the going's good, everyone will be like, oh, this, this is great. It's a breath of fresh air. You know, we need more of this managers being open and, you know, he's quite happy just to sit and talk to us. And, oh, isn't that fantastic? And then if things don't go the way we want, it will be used as a stick to be on with. I think it's just going to be that way. Um, the one thing that really surprised me was how open he is when talking about transfers. Usually managers do not like to talk about transfers. They always give the line of, I don't want to mention a player that's not my player and stuff like that. But Michael Beale was quite openly saying, yeah, I've had meetings with three players this week. And I was sort of listening to that going, did he just say that? I've never heard the manager openly say, oh, by the way, I had meetings with, I had meetings with three players this week. I was that, totally shocked by that, but... So I've, really got, interesting. I've got to be kind of counterintuitive and just like, you know, my age, I'm into my, well, in my 50s now. And I, so I'm, Walter Smith's the, the high watermark for me. There's this Walter yeah. Smith is the, the ideal of a Rangers manager. And yet he probably spent more time talking to the press and had to say a lot more than the likes of Jock Wallace and, and Willie Waddle yeah. had to, you know, because the, the, the press and the media itself has changed uh, greatly over the years as well. So you, you, you're duty bound to say more and say more on camera as well. Um, but he just seems to, he, he really goes for it, Michael B. He's very expansive and very open, but uh, I don't know if he's actually trying to play a kind of double bluff, you know, but it's it's like you say, it's when he, the few times he actually tries to be coy, you can hear the, the media, the, the press pack almost kind of laughing at him, thinking, but you now, now you're going to try and kind of shut us down. No, too late, Michael. Yeah. Just just keep talking. Because um, it's like the Adam Devine thing as well. Uh, this is something that came out. He said it uh, to Sky Sports after the, we, we won at um, Dingwall, and he said it again in, in the uh, Dingwall in the actual press room. Um, Adam Devine, I will, you know, he's usually a right back, so maybe the captain better watch himself, you know. And I'm thinking, because he then, the Motherwell game, he played Motherwell at Ibrox midweek. Borna was back from the World Cup, so Adam Devine was benched. But at the end of that game, a 3 nothing up, he takes, he takes Tavernier off, and he's now, generally, everybody's kind of mostly thinking, yeah, that's because Tav's getting rested ahead of the ahead of the old firm game with Celtic coming up next, you know. But when he brings Adam Devine on for him, you know, which is probably also a thank you to Adam Devine to say, just because Borna's back, you shouldn't, you don't deserve to be getting dropped. Me man, you've been yeah. doing well. But when you've said publicly, you know, and and Tav had to talk about this again at yesterday's presser because his, his manager's mentioned it. You know, when you talk publicly about this boy challenging James Tavernier for his position. Do you really want to be saying that about your your captain and then when you're taking them off before an old firm game? An old firm game, by the way, which Tavernier started very badly, you know, despite ending up, you know, scoring a, scoring a goal that day. So it kind of worries me uh, sometimes, you know, the, 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 way, the way he says these things. But at the same time, I think it's part of, you know, they need a rocket up them, you know, yeah. to, to get them out the kind of, you know, uh, the rot they were in uh, under Geo. Um, but I, I don't know if he's just been kind of, He's, he's just kind of trying to play a double bluff or as you say we'd, we'd rather he was kind of forthright and chilled out rather than being all kind of uptight and uh, defensive when he's talking to the media but of course the, the Chelsea International I was referring to at the top of the show kind of facetiously is uh, young Alec Kapakpe is a, a kind of injury ravaged 18 year old left back we've had in trial 
and we're all kind of going for months that we're going to be signing him primarily for the kind of the B team, the, the, the kind of youth setup. But that's not going to cut the mustard with, with the Bears uh, this January. As Bill himself was saying, um, the Rangers fans want somebody signed the first day the, the transfer windows uh, open, and he's also telling a lot of the Rangers fans I think what they want to hear by saying. There'll be a lot of changes uh, in the summer, kind of confirming, but we've all been thinking there's going to be a substantial number of players uh, going out the door. But it seems to be kind of putting, as you say, it seems to be kind of putting serious pressure on the board by saying, like, his face today was like, he's done his bit. But it comes to talking to players. And there's also this thing, are we signing one or two or three or four players this January? He's got one or two or three or four uh, targets and he's got the cheek to laugh at the the uh, interviewer who's, who's saying, well, well, what's the number? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's no, no, no. But um, when you're talking about Todd Cantwell, he basically, say, it's like you're saying, there was a quote, he's a player with a lot of ability. Out of respect, I can't say a lot more than that. I think you're not far off the track for what you're insinuating. You know, so he's basically saying, aye, I've spoke to this boy, I've sorted it out. Is he putting the board or himself under pressure with that kind of part? Because if we don't sign Todd Cantwell now, you know, there's going to be hell to pay. I think that's the danger for me in this tactic and that's where it might come back to bite him on the backside is when he's been so open like this and if we don't now go on and sign a number of players in this window then it can, it can make you look a bit silly so that's my worry is that you know we know that transfers can fall, fall through for a variety of reasons um, including broken fax machines we've seen in the past <laughs> um, so but I think the danger is that if this number of signings that he keeps talking about doesn't come off. And he said it again after Tanadai, so I'm really excited about the players that we're looking to bring in. And, and if the, I just kept thinking, that's all well and good, but if this doesn't happen, it just it just makes it look a bit silly. So that's that's my worry. But in terms of the players that are being mentioned, I think they're all you know, quality players that would undoubtedly improve us. Um, so it is looking positive, but you just want to maybe keep your cards a bit closer to your chest until... You're at a point where you can see them with a the scarf above their head and inside Ibrox. Um, I think all this kind of noise beforehand doesn't really help. I kind of prefer the approach where you don't really know about it until it's you see the tweet from Rangers kind of approach. I sort of prefer that approach. Um, but I think Michael Wheel's almost too much of a football nerd to keep things a secret. It's almost like he's the actors that you don't give the script to because you know they'll make it to the media. He's almost like he's one of them that he just he talks and he just loves talking about football that you know when you get him in a press room environment he just can't help himself. He's just got to he's just got I mean, to talk because he's the, just such a football nerd. The performances on the park haven't been bad. I think we've had over like a good kind of forty five minutes in every game he's been in charge. You know, when we've kind of spread them differently when we've played that good forty five minutes in, in, in the various games, you know. Um, but if we could play half as excitingly as he talks in the press conferences, we'd be absolutely, we'd be fine. I don't know if there's an element of that in it. It's deliberate. It's a way to kind of, as I say, lift the kind of gloom that was on the place uh, towards the end of Gio's reign. But I mean, to be fair, he also talks about everyone at the club, you know, the directors and whatever, being in alignment over the signings. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I mean if Todd Cantwell can't get a game for Norwich, or respect to Norwich, I'm not really that excited about him coming to Rangers. But uh, is it Ross Wilson who's going to get it in the neck now? You know, if we don't sign him. I mean, potentially, because with Michael Beale's comments today, he sort of put the ball firmly in Ross Wilson's court and said, look, I've done my bit, I've sweet-talked the players, it's now over to you to sort out the finances kind of thing. That was kind of how I read it. So it's kind of like, right, if this doesn't happen, it's not my fault. Don't, uh, don't come complaining to me. So what do you think about Sunday? If, if, if we don't win on Sunday, does that stimulate more transfer activity? Are we, are we then duty-bound to make sure it's these four targets that we get in that we're talking about today? 
Or if we don't win on Sundays, the board going to start thinking we better kind of hold back our money just to make sure Michael Beale's the, the man for the job. I mean, I think regardless of the result on Sunday, we know this squad needs improvement and it needs improvement this window. It's not something that can wait until the summer. I think we're all expecting this big overhaul in the summer, but I think that needs to start now. I think we need to see arrivals now for the long term. Michael Beale's been very clear that he doesn't want loan signings. So I think he's kind of envisaging this rebuild that we're talking about happening this summer is actually starting now. And I think that's what needs to happen regardless of Sunday. I don't even really want to contemplate a scenario where we don't win on Sunday, to be honest. Um, but so I think regardless of what happens on Sunday, that we definitely need you know two or three players in this window. I think he's just trying to create that momentum. Where even even when we are winning, like we are just now, like we have been under him so far, he's got the emphasis on we need to improve, we need to improve. And I think under Gio, he was kind of holding what he had. You know, he was quite happy to say, almost kind of, I've won. I don't mean in a nasty way, but it was like, he was just kind of, we've won the game, that's the main thing. But I, I like, I do, so far, you know, it's always easy when the manager's winning, but I like the way Beale's kind of just got everybody kind of excited. And he's keeping us all informed as well. I think a lot of the stuff he's told us about the injuries and that has helped to cure sort of a lot of the rumours that would go around the yeah. Rangers' court. I like that he doesn't try and pull the wool over any fans' eyes. You'll often see managers come out and when the team aren't playing well, they'll try and sort of almost tell you that, Oh no, it's great that what, what Pep Guardiola does it all the time is you Aye. know when his team play badly, he'll say, "Oh, you know, I thought we played really well," and he always try and pull the wool over fans' eyes. And I quite like that Michael Beale doesn't do that. He's very much, you know, he'll kind of call it as he sees it. And you don't. Some managers, when you watch the press conference after a game, you sort of think, "Were you watching the same game I was watching?" But Aye. with Michael Beale, you don't. You don't get that sense. You see, like you kind of see it almost the same as the fans see it in terms of performance wise, which I quite like. Uh, well, hopefully in the Sunday we're all leaving Hamden thinking, well, that's a League Cup final in the bag and also four or five new signings uh, before before the end of the month. I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Um, a big thank you to Brian uh, for his precious time uh, and his valuable insight as always and, uh, and hold my hands as I say my, my first time hosting. I hope it wasn't too bad. Uh, a massive thank you to all of you out there for watching and listening. Don't forget to give us a like and uh, hit that subscribe bell if you if you like what we're doing here. And of course, we also have a fantastic JazzNet website. It's recently been given a kind of plush refurb where you can uh, engage and chat about tonight's pod and all other Matters Rangers on our friendly discussion forums, as well as dropping into a, a host of great articles penned by our esteemed band of contributors, and I think I might have one in there as well. Uh, talking of which, uh, the heartbeat of Jersey himself, Mr Colin Armstrong, and my fat self will hopefully have a little bit of a immediate post-match reaction to bring you to full-time on Sunday from outside Hamden, and then later on, 9.30 on Sunday evening, we'll have some proper in-depth analysis of the day's events when Colin returns to host the main pod. He'll be joined by another the, the Jersnet original gangsters, his good friend John McCallum, and the polyglot, polysyllabic, polymath, kind of possession stats and transfer market expert, Mr Patrick Caskey. So that's sure to be a great show as long as Rangers win. Uh, so be sure to join us then, uh, folks. But in the meantime, thanks very much for joining us tonight and good night. <laughs>